0: Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. This headline to pass along to you from the Bloomberg Professional Service. SoftBank said to consider raising its stake in NVIDIA over time. NVIDIA shares are up now by 1.8%. Year-to-date, by the way, uh, NVIDIA shares are up. 31.9%. Stocks trading mix, but the S&P is at a record. It is up. As Dave Wilson said, any move higher will be a record. It is up by less than half a point right now. NASDAQ up two points to 6207. That's a gain also of less than one-tenth of one percent. But again, NASDAQ is at a record. Dow Industrials down a point. Little change, 21,081. The 10-year up 2.30 seconds with a yield of 2.25%. Gold up 12.10 the ounce to twelve. 68 higher by one percent West Texas intermediate crude now at 49.68 a barrel it is up 1.6 percent Brent crude higher by 1.2 percent to 5206 for a barrel of Brent I'm Charlie Pellet that's a
1: Bloomberg business flash thank you very much Charlie Pellet. you don't like what
2: I'm saying just
3: What we may have heard, uh, from the Trump, uh, Mr. Trump, I should say, President Trump, our most read story in the past eight hours, President Trump saying Germany is very bad on trade out. Makes for an interesting time at, uh, the G7 meetings underway in Italy. Let's get to our Matt Miller at Bloomberg News and Bloomberg Television. He is there at the meetings at Terramina, uh, Italy. Matt, great to have you here, uh, and get, uh, your thoughts on what's going on. Give us the lay of the land and these comments, uh, cause there seems to be some controversy over whether or not he Said it, and if he did, it, this is exactly what he said.
2: Well, he definitely said it. Uh, that was confirmed by Gary Cohn. It was also confirmed by Jean Claude Juncker, the president of the European Commission. The thing is, it was taken way out of context by Der Spiegel, which printed uh, that he said Germany is very very bad, and didn't really explain that he was talking about trade. So it sounded like he was talking about the German people themselves. And to add to that, to make matters worse, they translated bad as "Börse" in Germany rather than schlecht, which it should have been really means evil. So it sounded to the German people, like he said, Germany is evil, very, very evil. And it got picked up by every paper in Germany, including Süddeutsche Zeitung and the Zeitung, which is the most widely read paper in Germany. So it really made a bad impression on the eve of the G7 meeting. But I think there was enough talk about it today, enough explanation from the White House, from the European Commission, from everyone who had been at the meeting and understood that he meant something completely different, and it wasn't anything new. He meant something that he's been saying for a long time, which is that he's unhappy about the trade surplus that Germany has and the trade surplus that a lot of other countries have, where the U.S. has a big, fat trade deficit and he wants to do something about it.
1: so uh, that's fascinating, Matt. Yes. Thank you. That's great stuff. But I wonder further, though, if if this is the kind of discussion typically that takes place in these meetings. There's been a lot of concern about the tone and, and, and offending uh, intentionally, let alone accidentally.
2: Well, I mean, I have to say this morning, it was so awkward. Everyone expected this to be the G6 plus one. There were so <laughs> many stories about Donald Trump pushing a Montenegrin minister in Brussels and about this handshake between the new french president emmanuel macron and donald trump turning into almost an arm wrestling match and also the fact that no one expected trump to agree or even want to address any of the subjects that are important to italy here as the presidency of the g7 which are climate change global trade and migration so everyone thought hey we're not going to get anything, but the focus really turns out this morning to be on the fight against terror, which is something that Donald Trump cares deeply about. Obviously because of the event in Manchester, that was really important to Theresa May as well. They even put out a separate communique on that. There's a lot in that that I think, Corey, especially you'll find really interesting because tech-related stuff where they want to clamp down on social media and think maybe that's one of the ways that they can solve the problem. I'm sure there'll be a lot of debate on the West Coast. Um, But also there were unexpected things from the Trump administration. For example, there's going to be a line in the communicate on gender inequality we're hearing and how he thinks it's important, uh, or or everyone at the G7 thinks it's important to work on that um, to solve... The income inequalities around the world. And Donald Trump, although he's not willing to say where he where he's going to go on the Paris Accord, he wants to learn to understand the European perspective, according to Gary Cohn. And he wants to, uh, evolve on the issue, which is something you never would have expected to hear from campaign, uh, from, from Donald Trump at the campaign mode. It's interesting to hear it from him as president now that he's over in Europe.
3: So how do the other officials, I mean, kind of what's the mood here, uh, Matt? Do they, Are they a little fearful of him, or do they think he's silly, or do they really want to work with the other G7 members? Do they want to work with President Trump? Do they want to kind of get an understanding of him?
2: Well, I mean, I get the feeling from living over here since November and dealing with the European Commission, uh, dealing with Angela Merkel, covering um, all of these people so closely that they really want to work together to get things done, but they just don't know what to expect from President Trump, given that he seems to go one way on an issue one day and the other way on an issue the next day. Um, also, obviously he's not a traditional politician, so he's not following any of the protocols, any of the communication routes that they're used to. So they have to learn a whole new way to communicate as well. Previously, what you'd seen at the G7 for finance ministers and the G20 in Baden-Baden is that they said, listen, let's take a wait-and-see approach. Let's try and make him feel comfortable at the time of the Steve Mnuchin. Let's try and make him feel comfortable and just get to know him a little bit better before we decide how to deal with him. And I think that's how leaders wanted to deal with Donald Trump as well. As I said, it was really awkward this morning, but by the afternoon, mm-hmm. they were all hanging out together. Uh, Macron put his hand on Trump's back. Trump told a joke or some sort of story that everybody laughed at. Theresa May came over and stood next to him. Um, it seemed like it's getting more and more collegial, and that's how it happened with Steve Mnuchin and the finance ministers as well.
1: Just fascinating uh, uh, that that level of chaos exists at the same time, too. Um, you know, Germany is our, our, our fifth largest trading partner, or I should say the, they import the, the fifth most uh, with, with the U.S. What is it that's driving that? Is there any one industry?
2: Well,. I- Uh, The thing is, obviously, Donald Trump has pointed to cars, and Mm. they do, obviously, a lot of business. But the thing is, they do a lot of that business in the U.S., right? I don't think a lot of people know that BMW exports from the United States of America, $10 billion in goods every year. So BMW is one of the biggest American exporters. Obviously, they also import a lot of stuff to the U.S., as does Daimler Chrysler. But Daimler has 22,000 employees in the U.S. And then if you look at, uh, look, Ford sells a lot of cars in right. Germany. So they're doing some business with us. But Chevy doesn't because they don't even have the brand over there. And they're selling Opal. So they're completely getting out of Europe. You can see how there's this. Uh trade right. surplus on the German side and trade deficit from the US as far as at least cars are concerned.
3: Real news from Matt Miller. Matt, thank you so much. Matt Miller, reporter with Bloomberg News, Bloomberg Television, joining us uh from the G seven summit in Italy. You want to see to Bloomberg Markets, a check on trading in just a moment. Carol Master Corey Johnson. We are Bloomberg Radio.
0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets.
1: It is indeed Bloomberg Markets. Corey Johnson here in San Francisco, Carol Macer- Masser back east of. Any of your exes showing up today? I was
3: going to say two spouses down, so I that's it. I need to know. <laughs> that's it. Really, right. really. <laughs> hey, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, Ford because we had big news earlier in the week. Mark Fields out, a new CEO in. And according to our Keith Naughton of Bloomberg News, the new guy, you know what, Corey? He's got some catching up to do.
1: Uh, indeed, we'll talk about some of the issues Ford is facing. But first, let's get the latest business news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Charlie Pellett. All right. I thank you very much, Corey Johnson. Happy Friday, by the way. We have got
0: a mixed picture for U.S. equities right now. People familiar with the matter say SoftBank Group, the Japanese company that raised a $93 billion fund for technology investments, is considering boosting its stake in chipmaker NVIDIA Corp. NVIDIA shares up now by 2.3%. Well, stocks are stumbling after a six-day rally took them to records. The dollar fluctuating with oil as investors assess fresh data showing the U.S. economy on firm footing. Right now, the S&P 500 index up half a point at 2415. Little change there. NASDAQ up two points to 6207. That is a gain of less than one-tenth of one percent. Both the S&P and NASDAQ are trading at records. The Dow down by a point right now. The 10-year up 2.30 seconds. Yield 2.25 percent. Gold up 1240 the ounce to 1268 higher by 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude, it is higher by 1.8% to 49.78 a barrel. UPS setting up a joint venture in China to haul more American bound goods and capitalize on booming e commerce in the world's most populous nation. David Abney is UPS's CEO. He was interviewed this morning on Bloomberg Television.
1: SF Holdings has an incredible presence as far as 13,000 access channels to small and mid-sized Chinese companies, you combine that with our incredible Express Network, where we deliver 19 million packages a day through 220 countries and territories, and one plus one equals a lot more than two in this case. And UPS shares
0: are up by one-tenth of one percent. Recapping, S&P at a record barely up half a point now at 2415. I'm Charlie Pellett. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
3: All right, Charlie Pellett, thank you very much. Charlie Pellet with a Bloomberg Business News Flash joining us right here on Bloomberg.
1: Well, now, Lord, Mr. Ford, I just wish that you could see what your simple horse's carriage has become. will we'll become Keith Naughton, the Bloomberg News Auto Editor at large, joins us right now. We'll look at Ford and the future of Ford with the new CEO, Jim Hackett. Jim Hackett, known for a big turnaround at the University of Michigan. Is there a a, a Harbaugh hiring to happen in Detroit <laughs> soon?
4: I think he's the Harbaugh hiring Cory.
1: I mean, he better be. <laughs> I really think he is. Do they? I mean what, what what are they expecting of this guy?
4: Well, I he is uh he is someone who has ties to Silicon Valley, which was very important to Bill Ford. Uh and uh who has engaged in a couple of turnarounds himself, the one you mentioned at the University of Michigan turning around the football program by hiring Harbaugh from the 49ers and more on point, probably uh, a turnaround he sort of engineered over the long term at Steelcase, the office furniture maker where he was CEO for twenty years, uh, really sort of reinvigorated and reimagined that place from just a maker of office cubicles which uh, have sort of and he you know re engineered to a place that you know, uh, thinks about how we work and then designs, you know, uh, furniture and and office spaces around that. He sort of ushered in the the open space office.
3: Okay. So does this guy have the goods to do what's needed at Ford? Um, Or is he just a – I don't mean just, but is he, you know – He's a good turnaround guy, but this is more than just turnaround. Like, you need to kind of understand, don't you, the auto industry and what's going on, and it's not just about great engines, but it's about technology and new competitors like we've never seen before.
4: That That is for sure, Carol, and no, he is most definitely not a car guy. But then again, neither was Alan Mulally when he came in a few years ago and he did okay. So I do think that Bill Ford, the executive chairman, prizes the sort of, um, outside view that somebody like Hackett brings in. Fresh eyes is what, uh, Bill Ford called it the other day when I was talking to him about it. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, you had a career guy in Mark Fields running the place and the stock declined almost 40% on his watch. So it was time to start uh, trying something new.
1: Is is there a, a, a faction there that believes that it's got to come from the outside all the time?
4: Well, I think just based on the success of Mulally during his six years of running Ford and turning the place around and saving it from bankruptcy... And, and, you know, one of the things that Malawi instituted was this, this culture change with this kind of singular focus, this one Ford mantra that he would repeat over and over again with index cards, uh, explaining all of the virtues of the strategy he was, he was employing. That really got people to pull together. And I think Bill Ford is hoping that, um, that Hackett can do the same because under Mark Fields, that, that culture shift slid back to the old warring factions that Ford had always been known for.
3: Are there other problems at Ford? Keith, as you look at this company, you know the industry so well. Is there other stuff going on?
4: Absolutely, Carol. There are both near-term and long-term problems. So near-term, Ford, this company that kind of pioneered the modern SUV with the Explorer all those years ago in the 90s, actually finds itself behind General Motors in the new SUV boom they don't have updated big SUVs like like GM's Cadillac Escalade or Yukon that make 20000 in profit per vehicle. So they've had to play catch up in that. They're going to have new ones later this year. But still, GM now controls 75% of that market. There's also uh, an, uh, compact pickup trucks that GM offers now and Ford won't offer for years. Ford's bringing back the Bronco SUV, which probably would sell great today, but it won't be here until 2020. So those are problems in day and then they've got to figure out how to compete against google and apple and tesla and uber in the autonomous future
3: hey let me just ask you and i was just going to pull up um ford's market cap let me just take a quick look so what is it 43 billion is it a case that we could see a google or an apple actually want to buy ford or something does any of that make sense in this environment
4: well, not as long as the Ford family controls oh, Ford. right. Okay. And they control Ford through a special class of stock that gives them 40% voting control, which is the ultimate poison pill. That is, by the way, a parallel for Jim Hackett. The founding families also control Steelcase, where he was CEO before. So he knows how to work with families. And the alumni
1: control Michigan. There. So we got that too.
3: But could that be the demise of Ford in that it is so family controlled? They don't want to let go. And that could, you know, that this is a... Just a different world, I feel like, we're living in
4: for It is a different world. I mean, it, it, just for a little perspective, Ford made $10 billion last year, so they're not in going out of business mode by any stretch of the imagine, imagination. They are making a lot of money. The risk is redefining this company for a future when we don't buy cars like we do now, when we don't use cars like we do now where we you know we hail robot taxis and we okay. share vehicles right
3: um keith just uh, five seconds real quick how long does this guy have
4: well he's 62 i think he has three or four years to do his magic and okay. get the place set up for the future
3: keith naughton thank you so much auto editor at large at bloomberg news uh, you are listening to bloomberg radio
1: Let's look at world and national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Adrian Mitchell in our 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C.
5: Thanks, Corey and Carol. G7 leaders are getting ready to sign off on a pared-down statement at the close of their meeting. Bloomberg News reporter Matt Miller says the brevity reflects divisions between President Trump and the six other leaders.
2: They really want to work together to get things done, but they just don't know what to expect. ...from President Trump, given that he seems to go one way on an issue one day and the other way on an issue the next day. Um, Also, obviously, he's not a traditional politician, so he's not following any of the protocols, any of the communication routes that they're used to. So they have to learn a whole new way to communicate.
5: Officials say the G7's final statement could be about a third the length of last year's 32-page statement or even shorter. Tensions have arisen during the G7 and NATO summits over trade and climate change. The Washington Post reports the probe into Russia's role in the 2016 election is focusing on meetings held by White House adviser
2: Jared Kushner. We're not saying that he is going to be charged with a crime. We're not saying he is the target of the investigation. They're certainly looking at uh, Paul Manafort and Mike Flynn, too, but but sort of put Jared Kushner up in that in that class of people who they're interested in.
5: Post reporter Mark Zapatowski. Former House Speaker John Boehner says aside from international affairs and foreign policy, President Trump's time in office has been a complete disaster. RigZone reports and a spokesman confirms the comment at a Houston conference. Global News, 24 hours a day. Powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120
4: countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.